Today on Ag News Daily. Their mission essentially was to develop a, a technology that would be able to operate multiple vehicles from a single, a single source. Well, we are sitting here Tuesday, January 17th, Ag News Daily Edition. Tanner and Delaney hanging out. I'm down at a trade show, Delaney, first of its kind ever. What are you up to? I'm in Hawaii this week, Tanner, so I don't know. Where's What's your trade show? Let's learn more about that before I decide who's won this week. The North American Conservation and Drainage Expo. So this is the first time drainage contractors as well as conservation professionals have come together to put on educational seminars, as well as have all kinds of equipment down here on display. A couple of fully contained tile plows. It's impressive to see. Well, that's neat. Where is this conference at, Tanner? You didn't tell us that part. Oh, we're right here in Des Moines. I didn't have to go too far for this. So right right smack dab in the middle of Des Moines. I think it's going to move around going forward. Uh, but this year, Des Moines gets to play host to it. Well, that sounds like a good time. And I'm sure you're going to talk to some good folks and hopefully bring us a couple interviews for the podcast. Absolutely. There'll be plenty of good information down here. Well, fantastic, Tanner. And it sounds like, you know, yesterday we were off due to MLK Day. And of course, so was everyone else pretty much that works in government or banking or schools or anything like that. Mail, all that stuff was off. But we're going to hit the road hard this week, Tanner, as we look at what's going on in Washington, D.C. this week, because we've really started to see the first preview here of the next farm bill. According to G.T. Thompson, he declared it's crunch time for the farm bill, and he told reporters that he hopes that this will be a bipartisan package, as they typically are. But the new political reality is that the Republican House controls the majority in Congress, and that could be helpful in creating the next farm bill. However, of course, the House is a uh, a little more razor thin margins there between the two parties, but really a couple of priorities here. It sounds like Tanner for the next farm bill. Inflation continues to be a topic of discussion. And one of the biggest topics lawmakers said that they're going to navigate this farm bill is higher costs for farm inputs and food production. Now, many of our listeners may not be aware of this Tanner, but actually the farm bill has about 76% of it dollars earmarked for nutrition programs such as SNAP and WIC and things like that. So the Farm Bill, when you think about it, actually doesn't have as many dollars that go towards agricultural programs as they do towards nutrition programs. And lawmakers on both sides of the aisle sound pretty united in keeping that the same way for this Farm Bill, keeping those nutrition dollars together with Farm Bill dollars. The other thing is they're really waiting on the House Budget Committee to pass their final resolution, which will guide farm bill spending. They have a good uh, earmark, it sounds like, of an approximate dollars that they'll have. But if a if the resolution that's currently on the floor right now is passed, um, it could actually have a couple of cuts for the farm bill. So those are some of the big things right now. Of course, livestock, climate, those are some other big areas that the farm bill folks will be focused on here. And because we've got farm bill in full force, we also saw MCOOL back up in the news this week, which is something we haven't talked about since uh, like 2015, 2016, Tanner. Yeah, it's going to take front and center stage here for quite a few of our weeks and articles as we put those together. 
something for us to continue to watch, see as legislature tries to push that forward. Our listeners here coming to us in the Colorado or Nebraska area are going to expect up to 10 inches of snow in the forecast. They could have winds gusting up to 30 miles per hour. And I know Delaney here in Iowa, since you're down there in Hawaii, down here in Iowa, we've under a winter storm warning for the next 48 hours ourselves. So uh, pretty normal for this time of year as far as weather goes, but certainly something that we can watch for here. The National Weather Service says could be patchy, blowing snow and significantly reducing our visibility. But when we look over into the Ukrainian area, they're continuing to push through their winter season and still getting exports out to the Black Sea. They continue to move grain Although shipments last week were the lowest that they have been in the last couple of months using that Black Sea Grain Initiative, the agreement that allows those ships to travel in and out of ports that began in August. Three ships sailed out of the port of Odessa, carrying around 52,000 metric tons of wheat and 67,000 metric tons of corn, according to the United Nations report. These ships were bound for Turkey and for China. Five ships left the Ukrainian ports uh, yesterday. So we're looking to get a little bit of a better bump up in exports this week, Delaney. But cargo sizes are down. We're falling to about a 32% average week over week coming out of Ukraine based upon their normal production and export levels. So good to see grain coming out, but still well below what they're typically used to doing. Yeah, and that does continue to kind of be the story here. I was messaging with uh, Case Housinga, who's the Ukrainian farmer, of course, we've had on the podcast a few times now, and he was kind of confirming the same thing, Tanner, is that they're really trying to get grain out, but there's a lot of challenges still with infrastructure and, of course, inspections and things of that nature. So they're doing all they can, but it's uh, certainly lower than anticipated. But I actually want to take us back here to weather for just a moment because we got final numbers for the total damage reported in weather disasters from 2022. This is according to a new report from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. This is a report they put out every year that looks at total weather damage for the United States. And this year, Tanner, 18 weather events totaled more than $168 billion in damage. According to the NOAA, 2022 was the third costliest year since 1980 when the agency began the report. They said drought, extreme heat, all of those events totaled up to make this year the third costliest year on record. And the 18 events caused more than a billion dollars in damage by themselves from hurricanes in the Southeast, tornadoes, thunderstorms, drought, and extreme heat. Certainly a costly year for producers when it came to weather conditions this year. Yeah, that's exactly right. Actually rolls right into my next story of a Scottsdale suburb suing the state of Arizona and the city of Scottsdale for cutting off water to its suburb in response to the low water levels in the Colorado River. So that does exactly speak right into what you were just reporting on. Residents there at the foothills of Scottsdale, Arizona, say that they were on the verge of running out of water and the city had stopped selling water to unincorporated suburbs due to the ongoing drought. So Rio Verde Foothills includes normally lush golf courses, tennis courses, clubhouses, hiking trails, all the amenities that a true suburb would have. And all of that was jeopardized, including the health of its habitants 
during that shutoff. So until recently, the community that has about a thousand residents bought water from the city of Scottsdale. And with recent drought conditions, Scott, Scottsdale itself had shut them off in December and would stop selling water to the Maricopa County residents in the Rio Verde foothills. So Delaney, that's just more outpour of complications that are coming from the drought conditions out west. It is good to see as long as Californians can recover from the mudslides and the monsoon-like weather that they've had, hopefully this snowpack continues to build and these residents don't have to worry about that in 2023. Yeah, that's not an ideal situation to be in, Tanner, is it? Nope, it is not. And thankfully here in Iowa, we haven't had to deal with anything that severe. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's been really kind of a mild winter so far for us, at least. I know a lot of other areas are still feeling uh, water flooding, all of that stuff that we've been touching on here on the podcast. And I know we're going to talk about weather coming up on the podcast later this week, Tanner. But I think my final piece of news here related to the general economy as a whole has got to be pointed at economic slowdown as we're still figuring out how far into a potential recession or what kind of a recession we are going to see this year, China released their 2022 GDP numbers. And uh, typically the government targets about five and a half to 6% in GDP numbers and increase each year. And their 2022 numbers show a rise of just 3%, which is of course below their government's target due to COVID restrictions and a clampdown on economic activity. However, that number did come in better than expected by analysts due to a resurgence late in the year as China opened up some of those restrictions. But nonetheless, that uh, helped to increase economic activity right at the end of the year there. And the current expectation for China is that it will emerge with a significant rebound in its economy in 2023. Although it's hard to say, Tanner, really, because they're continuing to battle COVID waves. So we'll see here, but China is obviously a really good indicator of what's to come in the larger part of the world since they are such an economic superpower. But all in all, their population is aging and shrinking and uh, analysts are saying it's not sustainable from the standpoint of maintaining this strong economic growth that we've seen here really for the last couple of decades. Yeah, I've heard that a lot too as presentations at conferences as such have continued to back that. I got a couple of quick hitters before we get into markets today. A trade panel backed Mexico and Canada in a dispute with the US over rules about calculating required tariffs on tariff-free automotive imports. So Mexico and Canada had challenged the US's method of calculating and a panel backed them. So according to the USMCA trade pact, cars to have tariff-free access to the US meant that those two nations had to honor other parts of this trade agreement and results coming out of the panel's review states that the U.S. was necessarily wrong, but they definitely sided with Mexico and Canada. And a big announcement came out on Facebook today. The big equipment company Delaney out of Haver, Montana is partnering with Rome Agriculture and Construction Equipment out of Cedartown, Georgia to build a new heavy duty big bud tractor. And the first one will be released in March of 2023. The Big Bud will be featured at the ConExpo ConAg International Construction Trade Show in Las Vegas in March. This new Big Bud tractor, named the 2023 640, 
will hose a bunch of Caterpillar parts. It will have a 1.5 inch thick frame and will weigh about 70,000 pounds. It will have a C18 engine that will have a horsepower range between 640 and 750 horsepower. It'll be equipped with an 18 speed power shift transmission and will have their 988 heavy duty axles. Their wheel and tire options will be numerous, including the Titan LSW tires. The main release here, Delaney, states that uh, the new Big Bud will fill a void that currently exists in the industry and will be competitively priced. The Big Bud 640 will provide an alternative that can be used, repaired, and rebuilt without almost any limitations. So it'll be fun to see that pop at a trade show and uh, watch the Big Buds come back to life. I know they're always fun to see the old ones come out of storage, uh, but it'll be cool to see a brand new one. Yeah, those I actually really like seeing those too. I've seen a couple at trade shows and like Farm Progress show. I think I saw one one year, but they're pretty neat looking. So that's cool. That's going to be revitalized. It's like a, it's like a comeback. It is. Next thing they need to do is start remaking the John Deere forty twenties. And I think everybody I, would go yes. wild. But what do markets look like today, Delaney? Well, markets are going too wild this morning, Tanner, even after we saw last week's fairly bullish WASDE report and a drop in 2022 acres by 1.6 million. Of course, a lot of analysts are still trying to figure out and scratch their heads. Where did those acres go? But nonetheless, slight movement here in the March corn contract up two and a half pennies here at the mid morning at 677 and a half. Dease new crop corn is up three pennies on the day, trading right at that 601 and a half mark here, Tanner. March soybeans down two pennies on the mid morning at 1526. November soybeans down five and three quarters cents today at 1387 and a quarter. Hard red March winter wheat is down two and two quarter cent at 841 and three quarters. And as we hop over to take a look at the livestock markets for today, Tanner, we are certainly seeing mostly weakness in the cattle complex and some strength here in the lean hog market. February live cattle down a dollar today at a buck fifty-seven seventy-two. March feeders down a dollar twenty-two at one eighty-one sixty-five. And February lean hogs adding seven pennies here at the midday at seventy-eight seventy-two and a half. Tanner, without further ado, we are kicking it over to a Tech Tuesday interview today, chatting with Blue White out of Fresno, California, about autonomous spraying and mowing and all sorts of technology for the permanent crop grower. So let's turn it over to that conversation. Well, folks, for today's hashtag Tech Tuesday conversation, super excited to be chatting today with Luke Hemphill, who is the Director of Partnerships for Blue White, formerly Blue White Robotics, for those of you who may recognize the company name. Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So Luke, Blue White has had some deep roots in a lot of different sectors prior to focusing on permanent crops, which you're in today. Tell us a little bit about the origin of Blue White. Yeah, so Blue White was uh, really constructed from an idea from three individuals back in, I would say, like in the, the mid-2015, 2016 timeframe. And um, it was founded by three Israeli Air Force veterans. Now, these, these guys were working on uh, autonomous programs for the Israeli military for probably about 20 years or so, developing everything from, uh, you know, two to six ton vehicles. And their focus was building a, a system that would allow for these vehicles to be able to operate in a swarm, right? Because, I mean, one of the, the challenges that Israel was facing was 
they didn't have a lot of people and to put one person per joystick uh, for a drone just didn't make a lot of sense. And so their, their mission essentially was to develop a, a technology that would be able to operate multiple vehicles from a single, a single source, right, a single location. And, uh, and so after they, you know, after they retired from the military, um, they, they, they got together and they really wanted to be able to bring this space into the, the you know, into the, uh, the global ecosphere, essentially outside of just the military space, right? Bring it to the civilian space. And when they were looking at different industries and different places where this type of technology was really needed, uh, what they continued to come back to was agriculture. You know, I'd say one of the biggest global problems that we, we have today and are going to continue to have is, is how do we feed all these people, right? And, uh, and the folks that are, 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 have dedicated their lives to this, they need tools. They need new tools that they can bring from uh, technology and be able to bring it into the agricultural space to be able to, to do more with, with what they have in front of them. And so that is really what, uh, that was really what, what, what uh, breathed life into what Blue White is today was this mission to, to be able to, to help growers be able to um, help them be able to, you know, build a stronger foundation in what they're doing every single day. And so uh, in 2017, Blue White was founded. We actually started working with drones and, uh, you know, uh, different type of pollination type activities with drones. And that's kind of where we started. Uh, very quickly, we, we realized this technology could be used better in permanent crops. And, and so when we were looking at you know, where we were going to set up roots, uh, you know, from a agricultural space, we, uh, we landed on Fresno, California in the Central Valley. This is really the heart of where a lot of the agriculture is, is coming from, is here in the Central Valley. And so uh, we now have our, our headquarters based in Fresno, California. And we've been working with permanent crop growers commercially in the market for just about two years now. So when you talk permanent crops, maybe not all of our listeners will be familiar with that term. Could you give some examples? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, permanent crops are anything that are, are permanent throughout the year, right? These are like, you know, we have wheat that is uh, more of a, uh, it, it grows and then it's chopped and then it's replanted. Uh, permanent crops stay in the ground. So I'm talking about nut trees, uh, different types of fruit trees like stone fruits, apples, citrus. Uh, we're also talking about pistachios, almonds. These are the things that we work with most, uh, you know, most frequently here in California. And then grapes. We work with a lot of wine grapes as well all throughout California. And so, Luke, as you look at challenges, I think COVID obviously heightened a lot of challenges for growers. But in its most basic form, Blue White is has developed autonomous technology that allows growers to do a variety of different tasks, specifically in the permanent crop space. Tell us a little bit more about some of those challenges that they face and how Blue White and their solutions go to resolve those challenges. Yeah, I would say pretty consistently as I'm I'm going around through through California and even up into Washington, the the most common uh, song that I hear is that labor is is one of their biggest challenges, right? So there's a lot of things that growers are facing on a day-to-day basis, these, these different challenges, such as the cost of labor, availability of labor, uh, the changing weather patterns, the availability of water. Uh, that's a huge thing for, for us here in California. And, and so when I'm looking at these different challenges, they all have a similar, a similar theme, right? And these are costs. All of these things translate into costs for these growers, whether it be how much they can actually sell their products for that they're growing 
or just how much it costs them to do business on a day-to-day basis. And, and that is really where blue white helps. You know, we, we can't solve the water problem and we can't solve regulatory problems, but what we can do is we can give something back to the, to the growers that uh, they don't have in all of these different situations, which is control, uh, control over their operations, right? Control over or how much reliance they have on labor and how much they can get done in, in a shift. And these are things that Blue White is directly uh, answering to these growers, the, these concerns. Uh, we do this through our, our autonomous system. And so you alluded to this uh, just a little bit ago, Delaney, but what we are doing is we are, are, are installing a technology and equipping fleets with the autonomous technology that transforms their current tractors into tractors that can be ran autonomously. So on day one, they don't need to have that same reliance on labor. Uh, not only that, but they're able to get more done through the shift, right? So a, a typical eight hour shift, you might only run a tractor for six hours. With this system, you can run the full eight hours. And so what they're, they're finding is they're getting more done in the shifts that they are operating. That's translating to less operational cost, uh, more, more productivity. And in the end of the day, what that results in is a higher profitable organization. And that's really what we're delivering to growers. So if you can put this on existing equipment, is there like a break in age where technology is available or, or can we put this on any tractor that our listener might own? Yeah. I mean, essentially any of the, any tractor that, that you have, we can, we, we can operate with. Uh, we've focused most specifically on the orchard tractors that 75 to 125 horsepower. Um, that's where we, that's where we operate the most. Right, because these are the tractors that are being used for herbicide, pesticide spraying, all the tillage work, sanitation, and those are the areas that we are are operating the most with, um, handling all the spray campaigns and and, uh, and mowing campaigns and things of that nature. The tractor age, though, matter. The tractor age doesn't really matter. It's it's more of do you want to install this advanced technology on a ten year old tractor, or does it make more sense to install it on something that's going to have life for the next five to 10 years. Uh, so it, it really just depends on the tractor itself, the number of hours. We always recommend to do it on newer, to, to have us install our equipment on newer tractors um, or even brand new tractors. And, and this is because, you know, one thing that, that makes us unique, the way that we operate is you're not actually buying this equipment. So you don't, you don't show up to a showroom floor, buy blue white, take it to your farm, and then it just goes, right? We are, uh, we are partnering with these growers, and the way that the technology works is you're essentially a lot, it's a long-term lease of the equipment itself. And we do this for a couple of reasons, and one of the reasons is uh, the point that you're bringing up on the older tractors. As the, as the technology advances, which as we can see around us, it's advancing very quickly in this space, uh, we continue to update those tractors as well. So for example, we install equipment onto your tractor today, in six months from now, we develop a new functionality or a new sensor, or we improve the cameras that we're using. We automatically come out and we swap out that technology so that your tractors stay up to date. So in a year from now, five years from now, your tractors are still the most advanced in the market versus having technology that slowly becomes obsolete over time. So the age of the tractor is not important. It's more of what do you want to get out of the product? Look, how do you address the challenge of growers being hesitant to adopt autonomous technology? Because I think there's still a lot of mystique around how to use autonomy in your operation. 
Yeah, you know, this is something that, that comes up quite a bit as well. And um, we designed the system to be very easy to use. And that was intentional because we, we understand there aren't software engineers in every ranch and, uh, and there shouldn't have to be, right? And so I think there's, there is a lot of hesitancy around this technology. Uh, the way that, that we you know, like to talk about it, the way that I sit down and when I'm talking with growers about it is, look, it, it's a step-by-step process, right? It, we're not going to wake up tomorrow to a fully autonomous farm, but what we can do is start making steps towards that. And so, you know, the, you're already seeing this in other spaces, whether it's uh, smart flow rate controllers, smart irrigation systems, having your tractors start work for you in a different way, having them be able to give you feedback uh, as they're going through the rows. It's just the next step in the evolution of, of, uh, of becoming more autonomous when it comes to farms. And so when I'm sitting down with folks, what I'm talking to them about is, look, it's, it's one step at a time. And this is why we, we don't just sell an off-the-shelf product as well, right? It's a, it's a process, and we, we walk down that, that path with the growers to ensure that the onboarding is easy, that they do understand it completely. And, and we don't step back until, until they're comfortable with, with that. This is exciting. This is a fun conversation for our listeners, but what are you most excited about coming down the path here in the future? Yeah, I think what what excites me the most, I mean, I I got into this space uh, because, you know, when I first saw what Blue White was offering, I mean, for me, it it, it excited me to the fact that I'm able to to sit down and I'm able to talk about a really exciting project uh, that is, is not just cool because it's a tractor running by itself, but it's um, it's a totally different type of value that uh, that we're able to bring with this kind of product, right? It, it's it's truly upending what the operations could and do look like on a farm in a positive way. It's giving a ton of control back, and for me, that is what excited me the most when I joined Blue White. Uh, and as I look to the future, I'm seeing this technology start to, you know, it, it's gonna it's gonna take on a life of its own when it comes to what is the impact that autonomous technology can actually have on a farm itself? Um, you know, I see a future where tractors are running through the rows, giving real-time feedback on what's going on, whether that be water in the row, like a, a sprinkler is broken, or, you know, the, the, the on-target spraying, uh, the, the ability to be able to manage your fleet from anywhere in the world and be able to have real-time data on exactly what's happening uh, as that tractor is going through the row, I find that to be uh, not only it, from a, a peace of mind perspective as a grower, but also just the level of control that they're going to be able to have versus, you know, where we were even 15, 20 years ago. Uh, I think it's going, to, it's going to change the way that people define operations in, in a farming setting. Well, Luke, I think that's a good place probably to wrap things up for today. If any of our growers have questions who are listening, where should they go to find out more information about Blue White? Yeah, so you can go to bluewhite.co. Uh, that's our website. And you can go on there. And there's, a, uh, there's actually a link where you can schedule time to, to speak with me directly. Uh, we can come out to your, to your ranch. We can sit down and talk about uh, the system in more in depth, talk about the equipment. And, and answer any questions that they might have. Fantastic. Well, Luke, thank you again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Lenny, that was such a cool conversation to be a part of. Uh, I, we obviously don't deal with a lot of permanent crops here in Iowa, 
And it's always fun to learn more about what they are and what it takes to grow them successfully. So that was a fun Tech Tuesday conversation. I agree. I, I like uh, that we get to branch out. And I know we do have a good chunk of Californian listeners that tune in with us. So hopefully we've done them some due diligence here and given them a couple of interviews to chew on here and there. Absolutely. But for today, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.